0: Welcome to the Award Travel 101 podcast. My name is Jeff Brownson, and I'm your host. My full-time job is managing the Award Travel 101 Facebook group. That group is made up of over 60,000 people who travel the world using miles and points. Our group members not only love to learn about award travel, but they are happy to share, teach, and help others learn to travel the world on any budget. This podcast not only gets into the details of award travel and using miles and points, but it also takes a look at my life running a Facebook group full-time and the lives of our members as they travel the world. Have you earned plenty of miles but you aren't sure what to do next? Are you struggling to find the flights you need to get where you want to go? If you need some help with an award booking, stop by the Award Travel 101 Facebook group and check out our new weekend thread, The Weekend Burn. Just give us the details of what you're looking to book and some of our 60,000 plus members will help you find the best way to burn those hard-earned miles and points. Welcome to this week's episode of the Award Travel 101 podcast. I hope all of you are out there traveling the world and enjoying the use of your miles and points. We're going to try a new feature starting this week, and we'll do this once a month until we run through all of them. But we're going to do an episode that I'm going to call Meet the Mods. And what this is, is we are going to do an interview, and you're going to learn a little bit about each of the moderators of Award Travel 101, the Facebook group. We'll start off today with Julie Breeze, who is by far the most British of our moderators. And welcome to the show, Julie.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: So this is the first one of these interviews that we're doing. So give us a little slack, I guess, listeners, because we're, we're not sure exactly how it's going to go. But we're going to start off talking to Julie, I guess, getting to know her from, from the beginning. So Julie, let's start with your background. Obviously, you didn't grow up here in the states. Where where did you where were you born? Where did you grow up? Where did you spend your early years?
1: Yeah, well, I grew up a little bit further east of Brooklyn, across the pond, uh, and I grew up in East Yorkshire, which is a really beautiful part of England. For those uh, for those listeners that have been to England, I'm sure they would agree if they visited Yorkshire. It's very green, it's very bucolic, it's lots of rolling green hills. So I was very fortunate to grow up in a small village between Holland, and York. So lots of history around me. I grew up with two brothers I was a middle daughter uh, so i was an only an only girl two brothers so of course I was the favored child with i was a very daddy's girl uh, but grew up in a great part of the country uh w- which was fun had uh, my dad was uh initially he was part of the special air service so a very secret service group in the army and was actually part of a, uh, a I guess the 22nd SAS regiment that was in Malaya. And I think that's part of where I got my travel bug from. And then he came out and went into the Merchant Navy, would you believe? And spent most of my childhood traveling the world on Merchant Marine ships. And I think that also factored into my love of travel. Uh, I moved there until, well, I lived in, uh, you know, obviously at home until I went off to school. And then I um, haven't lived in Yorkshire for almost 40 years, so a long time.
0: And when you were growing up, did you move around a lot? I know a lot of military families here in the U.S., they, they call them military brats, yeah. I think. Um, they they move from place to place. Does that not happen as much over there?
1: Well, no, because by the time I was born, my dad was um, towards the end of his army career and then came out uh, of, of the army into the Merchant Marines. And so mom stayed home and dad traveled the world. Uh, so no, I didn't have to do that. So I, I really grew up in, you know, in Yorkshire and had a... a Really great childhood because it's a lovely place to grow up. So your
0: dad was gone for long periods, for weeks at a time, months at a time.
1: Yeah, he was. And so I always say that my, in in many ways, my mother was uh, a single mother in the sense that she raised us because he was away at sea all the time. But of course, financially, she wasn't because he supported us. But he would be gone for two months, three months at a time. But then he'd be home for a month or six weeks, and then he'd go off for two months and he'd be home for. 3 weeks and it was very it, it, there was no real consistency but it was really about where where the where the breeze took him i suppose
0: yeah where the where the currents took him maybe
1: that's right yeah
0: and then you said it, it's been about 40 years since you've lived there you came yeah. over, right over here to the states or did you live somewhere else first
1: oh, no lots of other places so um, obviously i left home went off to school uh, but one of the things that i I wanted to do as I wanted to travel. And I, I remember going to my mom and saying, I want to go to Australia. And this was in 1980, long before all of the stuff that we have these days at our disposal. And uh, she said, well, that's fine. If you want to go to Australia, you've got to pay for it yourself. So I thought, okay, I can do that. So I took part-time jobs and I saved up the money and off I disappeared to Australia for three months and came back three years later. <laughs> so I, uh, I, I headed off uh, on my own uh, as, a, as a single young woman uh, with a backpack on and uh, went to Australia first and spent about, hmm, let me say, almost two years living in Sydney but travelling all over Australia and New Zealand while I was there. And then I spent just over a year backpacking back to England across Asia and India and Nepal and the Middle East and Europe and got back home three years later. So poor mom uh, didn't have a clue at any point in time where I was in the world.
0: Oh, wow. Because you didn't really have a way to communicate like we do today, huh?
1: No, no cell phones, no internet, no text messages. It was all the handwritten letter. And for those listeners that, that are my age, and I will tell you that I'm going to be 60 this year, I don't mind admitting that, uh, There, it was what was called post And so people would write to us at uh main post office of any city in the world. And there would be there'd be a box at that post office where they throw all these letters. And when we got to the the city, we'd all run to the main post office and search through these boxes to find letters that had been sent to us.
0: Ah, So you would say in one letter home, you might say, I'm going to these cities next. And then when you got to those, you would be eagerly looking for mail from home?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say, hey, mom, in, in September, I'm going to be in, in Bangkok. And she would write to me uh, in Bangkok at post Restant And I'd get there and the be 5 or 6 letters waiting for me, which was really, really great. Because being on the road back then without being able to contact people uh, wasn't as easy, obviously, as it is these days.
0: Yeah. And I I was kind of the next step past that, I think, when I did backpacking in college, where we had to find internet cafes.
1: Yes, and we had yes. to go
0: and send our, our text-only emails and right. hope there was something there because you never knew when you were going to find another one of those because some cities had them and some cities didn't have them. And yes. sometimes they were very expensive and sometimes they were easily accessible.
1: Indeed. And and I always remember, especially in India, uh, it was very expensive to call home, but you had to book your telephone call. So you'd go to the main telephone exchange and book your call for three o'clock on friday and then you turn up at three o'clock on friday and you go into a little wooden booth and they would connect you and it cost five thousand dollars or not quite that much but it was when you're traveling on a budget of u.s dollars of five dollars a day which was my budget back then and maybe a call home might have been a dollar that was a big chunk of my budget so i didn't call home that often
0: yeah you don't want to do that very much if it's 20 percent of your budget each day
1: absolutely yeah
0: so you ended up, uh, traveled the world for a while, uh, prior to miles and points and credit cards and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, how did you end up over here in the U S?
1: Well, I came back from Australia and spent some time working down in Bristol, uh, which is in the South of England, which is a lovely part of the world. Met my husband there at a business meeting. He walked in, I took one look at him and thought, that's the man I'm going to marry. And five years later, we walked down the aisle and then, um, we he came here for a job rotational assignment in 1995 which was a two year assignment and we're still here so we never went back uh, at which point we had our older daughter at that point who she was almost 2 years old when we came here so uh, we we figured it was a good time to come while she was little and do two years go back home in time for school but we just ended up loving it and and never went back
0: Oh, that's very, it seems like you have a a very hard time coming home from trips.
1: Uh, Well, I mean, I like traveling, so...
0: You just kind of get stuck there, seems to be a theme over the years. Uh, Right. But uh, I'm definitely glad that you got stuck here in the States, and we we definitely enjoy having you and your family here. And you have um, just the one daughter?
1: No, I have two daughters. I have my eldest one, Beth. She just turned 27 yesterday. And then my younger one, I've got um, nine and a half years between them, Sophie. She's going to turn 18 in October. So uh, two girls, light of my life, what I live for.
0: And your younger daughter is a senior this year in high school, yeah,
1: right? She's in high school, so we're looking at colleges right now. And her favorite right now is Florida State, and uh, she seems pretty keen on that. But she's been to see a, a really good variety all over the country and seems to be gravitating towards the south. So we may have a Floridian in our sights next year. We'll have to
0: wait and see. Somewhere trying to avoid the harsh northeast uh, winters and that kind of thing.
1: And mom's happy because mom will be down there visiting her quite a lot because mom doesn't like the winter either. So I'll be down there visiting quite
0: often. Oh, that'll be nice.
1: Miles and points, of course.
0: Yes. So let's talk a little bit about what you've done since you've been here. I guess we touched on the family. Yeah. I know before this, we were talking about our, our microphone setups and things. And you said you do a lot of conference calls and Skype calls. What is it that you do for, for real life now?
1: In my real life, uh, I own a a small consulting firm. I'm an organizational psychologist by profession. And so I work with senior people within large corporate um, companies with uh, helping them understand how to use their talents within the company. So a lot of succession planning, a lot of talent management. And a a lot of that is executive coaching, uh, doing psychological assessments with um, executives and leaders. Within companies, so that that gets me out and about traveling uh, around the states. Uh, but I've been doing a big project recently, where I've been doing a lot of Skype, doing a lot of stuff over Skype. Um, my preference, of course, is to be hopping on an airplane or flying to see them, because then I can be gathering more points. Uh, but it's it, it it's you know, Skype's working pretty well. Uh, so I work with C-suite level um, senior executives. I also do some. Uh, intro to management type people who are very young managers, so a lot of lot of work with them. And it's interesting to see the difference between the senior executives and the younger millennials and the Gen Zs that are now coming into the, into the world of work.
0: When you say difference, is that uh, mostly a difference in mindset or a difference in goals or just different totally overall?
1: Everything. I mean, they have different goals, they have different mindset, they have different ways of doing things, different expectations. So it's really interesting because I think one of the things having – having Sophie later in life because I was 42 when I had Sophie is it, it has actually really I think kept me in touch with the younger generation and so um although as I said earlier I'm 60 this year I'm proud of it I think in my mind I'm still only 30 uh, I think you, you never really sort of get old in our mind uh, but I do I do think that having younger children or or um, young adults actually helps me make that connection with the younger generation and so I get along with them all. But it it really is interesting to see the difference. So I love the job. I've been doing it. I mean, obviously, I graduated as an organizational psychologist over 30 years ago. And I've been sort of made my career in that that world and have been running my own company since 2006.
0: Okay. So you, you've traveled for work. You traveled when you were younger yep. around the mm-hmm. whole world. At what point did you start to get into earn the loyalty programs, earning miles, earning points, and using those to to upgrade or to increase the amount of travel you could do.
1: Right. Well, the the very first entrance of that was in the UK way back in the sort of mid to late eighties where they used to issue these paper coupons for air miles, Um, very rudimentary compared with what we have these days. And I do remember collecting enough of those to be able to take my mom and I on a a flight to Jersey in the Channel Islands. This was prior to my older daughter being born uh, in the Channel Islands and thinking that this was fantastic that we got this free flight over to Jersey and we could just go and do that. But mostly really it was more when we got to America. So obviously joining the back in those days the Continental One Pass and uh, Flew backwards and forwards to the UK, obviously, collecting miles. And then over over time, once I started doing more travel with work, suddenly realized that, hey, if I fly to Chicago via Cleveland, I can get two segments and get silver with Continental way more quickly. And so I really started looking into the whole points and Miles piece around about maybe 1997 timeframe. And, and did it really just more at the lower level.
0: But you were doing kind of mini mileage runs for the travel that you needed to do. You were throwing in those extra segments to try to to maximize your earning.
1: Yeah. And then um, just doing it at a really low level, I'm not really understanding it. And then uh, about 10 years ago, a friend of mine was getting married in Australia and invited me to be her maid of honor, matron of honor. And I thought, wow, yeah, great. I'll do that. And looked at, I can't fly to Australia and coach. I've got to go in business class and looked for fares, and they were outrageously expensive. But I came across a fare with this new fledgling airline called Etihad. And instead of being all the fares I was looking at were in the $10,000, $12,000 range, which was way outside my price range. But this one was about $2,500. And I thought, well, that's pretty cheap. That's not bad. And it was fully refundable. So I I bought it thinking if I have buyers remorse, I can cancel.
0: And that was for the round trip, that pricing?
1: That was for the round trip, Business Class to Australia on Etihad. And I thought, well, I wonder if I can credit the miles to Etihad to Continental. So I Googled to see if I could do that and came across Flyer Talk. And that was the beginning of my foray into points and miles. Is Once I found Flyer Talk, that was it. I was sucked in and started to do everything I could and obviously discovered that, no, I couldn't um, credit my Etihad miles to Continental, but I did end up actually using those miles to buy a suitcase with, can you believe, instead of buying a flight. That was long before I realized how valuable miles were. But uh, they were going to expire, and they had a really nice, actually, schmancy, Remoa style suitcase. So I used the points to get that for my husband. Uh, but there you go. One of those uh, one of those things that you look back on and sort of chuckle a little bit about and think, oh, I was so naive back then. I wouldn't even dream of doing that these days.
0: Yeah. When I first started uh, getting credit cards to earn bonus miles, I think within that first year, I got Spirit Airlines cars f- cards for both my wife and myself because it was a decent sign-up bonus and we could get flights. And what I didn't know is that those miles expired. I don't know if it was three months or six months, something ridiculously short. And i didn't really want to fly spirit, so it was it was a similar uh mistake in in miles early on in the game, and that was probably about ten years ago that I did that too.
1: We all do it. We all make these mistakes, and it's all learning right so um so yes, I discovered that uh that earning miles was something that was going to really help me and my family uh, and so really sort of dived into it. Um, I'll say big time, but really started being a little bit more strategic with how I collected points and miles. So, doing more segment runs. And back in the days when you earned my award miles based on distance flown, I would do a lot of really cheap cheap mileage runs to get lots of redeemable miles. Um, back in the sort of, I guess, mid 2000s or whenever it was possible to do that. Uh, and then marched onwards towards. I'm almost at 2 million miles now with United. So I, I got my 1 million miler about 4 or 5 years ago and I'm at 1.75 million miles now I think. So I'm I'm soldiering on to try and get the 2 million miles with United. And of course living in New Jersey, I'm captive pretty much at Newark. So EWR is my home airport.
0: So United is uh, pretty easy to find a flight out of Newark.
1: It's one of the it's one of the obviously it's 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 better for me to fly on on United. Than others because I don't have to connect
0: as much. Yeah, you just sometimes get stuck in those little slim line seats. Though as a million miler and with all the miles and points, I'm guessing you're not flying in the back too often.
1: Well, it's getting harder and harder to get the upgrades because there is a lot of one ks and I'm not—I'm a one k on United, uh, but there's also a lot of global services out of Newark, so they sometimes kick me out of my seats. But I, I, I do pretty well. I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining.
0: Yeah, it's tough being an elite going out of those uh, major hubs for an airline because there are so many other elites.
1: Yeah, it, it can be tough. But I try to sort of look at the flights where I think I've got a good, a good shot at getting the upgrade. And, and when you get it, it's great when you don't. Hey, you know what? You get what you paid for. And usually I'm in a, a one of the better the extended legroom seats, which I'm so short, it really doesn't matter to me. I'm five foot two. I don't need the legroom, but they're comfortable. So... So yeah, so I got into uh, I got into points and miles because of originally wanting to go to Australia, and then got sucked in by a Flyer Talk, and eventually got to know people through Flyer Talk, started to go into meetups, and then for, uh, somewhere along the line, and I can't quite remember how, I think I was reading some different blogs, I came across Richard Kerr, and he had his Points Jock blog, and he decided that he was going to do this. I think it was Webex or Skype type program once a week for 10 weeks uh, to learn more about it. I signed up for that. And that was when I really got sucked into it. And that's how I became one of the original members of AT101. I think I'm one of the first 20.
0: So you, you met him really early on. Was He he was in Japan at that point still?
1: Yeah, he was in, still in the Navy in Japan. And I think there were 20 of us in total that, that did this program with him.
0: Yeah, but I I remember back when I met him for the first time, he was still the points jock, and then it it transitioned into I think it was travel hacking one hundred and one, and then it became award travel one hundred and one, and then it became me instead of him. So that's right. So you never know where things are going to end up.
1: Absolutely. Now,
0: um, many of our listeners may not realize this, but when I I took over for Richard for award travel one hundred and one and the other groups. Uh, pretty much all of the moderators stayed on, but I didn't know that much of the history of the moderator. So it, I don't even think this is a question I've asked you before. But what, when did you start moderating the group, or when did you start helping out with running Award Travel One Hundred and One?
1: Oh, uh, let's see. Well, it was when actually when Richard decided to start Travel Grumps One Hundred and One. Um, before he started that, he asked me if I would be a moderator on Travel Grumps, and, and along with that came the AT101 piece. I focus mostly on Travel Grumps, Travel Grumps, at what was Travel Grumps Elite, uh, Award Travel Advanced, um, and I'd sort of do secondary oversight, if you like, or secondary moderating on AT101. There is a backup for if I see comments that perhaps might need to be moderated, um, So. That's my sort of second line, and then but my first one is travel grumps, and
0: and is that just because you're naturally a grumpy person?
1: I'm very grumpy, obviously. You can tell. <laughs> I'm such a grumpy person. Yes,
0: yeah, so you don't seem friendly at all. Any time that I've met you, so. I'm
1: probably the grumpiest grump on the face of the planet. Uh, I think he wanted people that would be well. I don't know whether I would even call myself this, but I think he wanted people that would be sort of fairly sensible and um, would uh, be fair in what they did and. Sometimes, you know, we, we will, and I'm sure readers out there will agree, sometimes those comments can whoosh, be a little bit inflammatory. And so we like to try and, one of the things, and I think, Jeff, you know, you're on board with this, obviously, is we want AT101, TG, all of the groups to be places that people can come to to get really great advice, have some camaraderie, um, have some fun. No one wants to go and have ranting and raving and politicking and nastiness so we, we try our best to to keep the groups pg friendly uh and and a great place to be but sometimes things slip by us because there's a lot of people in all of the groups and we do our best but sometimes things do get by so we always like it when people let us know and and report to us a comment
0: yeah and that's a that's a great point that i definitely want to emphasize is we we do our best and we have a great team of moderators but there are lots of comments and it's very difficult for us to see all of the comments in every thread so if any of the listeners are on one in one of our groups and you see something you don't think should be there you don't think it's appropriate whether it's attacking another person whether it's promoting someone's own blog um click that little button to report that content and we will get it taken care of right away uh we we want this to be a friendly place for everyone and we want even in travel grumps where we're we're grumping and we're complaining we still want it to be a, a friendly grumpy environment does that make sense
1: yeah posit- we want it to be positive so everyone has grumps and everyone gets frustrated and we're all human um but what we don't want is people to start attacking each other because of their grump and you know sometimes you're just grumpy because you're grumpy right and uh, it's everyone's entitled to it but let's all be supportive of each other and, and remember folks jokes and memes jokes and memes we love those jokes and we love those memes in travel grumps and so if you find yourself wanting to perhaps be a little bit of a keyboard warrior put a joke and a meme instead uh, because it makes everybody's day happier then
0: yeah and even if you're grumpy it's nice to get the those funny little memes and put a smile on your face even if you're having one of the worst travel days you've ever had
1: yeah. And there are some bad travel days that people have. And so it's nice to have, I think, uh, an outlet and a support, especially if you have a serious grunt where you really need some serious help. Um, it's great that people will jump in and offer advice and guidance and help, uh, which, which is awesome. And that's what we've found with all of the, the AT, uh, 101 and TGTG. Everyone wants to help. And, um, it's a, it's a huge, great, big, um, group that's full of camaraderie. And that's how we want to keep it.
0: Let's uh, change tacks a little bit and talk about your personal travel in, with, with miles and points. Mm-hmm. What would you say is over the time you've been playing this game, the time you've been doing this, what's the, the best trip or the best flight or the the best thing that you've redeemed points for? And please don't say that suitcase years ago.
1: Oh, not the suitcase. Definitely not the suitcase. Although I will tell you, we are still using that suitcase and it's a pretty good one. You know, there are so many trips that we've taken over the years and it's, it's, it's almost like having to choose your favorite child, which you just can't do. But I think perhaps one of my favorites was taking my younger daughter, Sophie, after she graduated middle school before she went into high school, taking on a mommy and me trip to Australia. And it was pre the AA devaluation, maybe two devaluations ago, I don't know. But we flew international first class from Newark down to, well, we flew first class from Newark down to Dallas, overnighted in Dallas, then did American first class to Hong Kong, had five days in Hong Kong, stayed at the the Hyatt Regency there, which was fantastic on points, of course, and then flew from Hong Kong to Bangkok on Cathay Pacific J class, and then spent a couple of nights there, then we went from Bangkok down to Sydney in Thai, first class, which was just a blast
0: and that that lounge in Bangkok is lovely if you're flying out of there in first class
1: absolutely and if you, you know you've got this sort of eighth going into ninth grader and can't remember what age they are at that point thirteen or whatever um she thought this was just the best thing that she could get this free massage. The funniest part of the flight though from from Bangkok down to Sydney was that they served caviar, and she'd never had caviar before. And there were only two of us in first class, so it was fantastic. And the the flight attendants were just amazingly good, and they were they were so proud about setting up the the caviar on the on the tray tables, and then you know sort of like backed off so we could eat them. And we both looked at each other and made the face of, oh my god, this is disgusting. What are we going to do? Because neither of us like caviar.
0: And they, they probably had three or four cans ready to go. Oh, probably,
1: probably, were- yeah. And so I said, so, so just take the eggs, put them on the plate, hide the caviar underneath them all, put the, put the bread, just mush it all around so it looks like you've eaten it. That, that was the funniest thing. But uh, so I tied first class down to Sydney, and we had a few days in Sydney, and then we went up to the Great Barrier Reef and did all of the internal flights on Qantas with points. So Great Barrier Reef, went out snorkeling. Then we went into the center and did a a ululu as rock area, and then down to Melbourne and then back up to Sydney. And at which point my husband then flew in to join us for a week. So we had a week in Sydney together. And then he went off back to America one way. We went off back to America the other way, all on points and miles. And I think I calculated the cost of that trip was something like 60, 65, $68,000 worth of travel and it was all done on points and miles except for the two nights hotel at Ayers Rock, uh because that that you couldn't use points there so i didn't i i actually booked it with american express because they had an american express offer where it was, i think spend $500 get $100 back so i booked it that way and earned points on that
0: so you still did manage to use a credit card and, and get a better deal than it would have been without yeah well that that sounds like an absolutely ridiculously awesome trip i would love to have been on that trip
1: awesome and just spending time as mommy and mommy and me type trip was was really amazing so it was it was a wonderful time and she still talks about it now which was
0: really great okay so that that was one of the the best trips you've done with miles and points Mm -hmm. what was the last trip that you took with your points
1: Ah, oh, last trip I took with my points. Um, well, I, I booked, the last trip I booked was a trip to Vietnam, which we we're actually taking in November uh, as a family. So we're going to Phuoc to the JW Marriott. So I used, um, a mix of points to get us to, uh, Bangkok and then bought Bangkok Airlines flight to hop over to Phuoc. And then I'm using a seven night certificate from Marriott when I did the seven nights. Certificate with the one hundred twenty thousand the last miles, um, so we're using that certificate at the JW Marriott in up for a week in November. So we're looking forward to that one. Um, but then I use points, and I, I'm one of these people that I use points when it makes sense to me. And sometimes when you're cash cash poor but points rich, sometimes I'll just I'll use points to get to San Diego or get to Detroit or get to wherever if it makes sense to me at that time. Uh, so I think one of the times I just recently used points was to go to Detroit because it was outrageously expensive for the airfare, but I could get get it for ten thousand United points. And while you think, oh, that's really boring going to Detroit on points, there's a better use of the points than paying cash for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm right there with you. In fact I've actually used points to get from DC to Detroit or from Detroit back to DC, I think a couple of years ago. Yes. Um yes. but it's everyone's always worried about what the value of points are and the right. value you're getting out of it as long yeah. as you're happy with what you've booked and as long as if you have a couple hundred thousand points but you don't want to spend two or three hundred dollars, then use the points you you have them Absolutely. um it'll get you where you want to go, and maybe you could have gotten five times the value if you saved them up and flew that Thai first class, but maybe that's not what you need right now, so don't be afraid to use the points that you've earned they're they're not going to do you any good sitting there in an account.
1: That's right. I agree exactly. It's, it's, it's Whatever serves the purpose for you at that moment in time is the right use of those points. Um, and so I don't worry too much about what value I'm getting from them from a monetary perspective or a cents per point perspective. It's how valuable is it to me at this moment in time to use the points.
0: And that's a great way to look at it. And, and I think people can see that you're you're truly someone who loves travel and who who values oh, yeah. the trip and values what they're doing. And isn't going mm-hmm. to get too bogged down in the details of exactly yeah. what it's worth or what you booked. So you kind of uh, combined my two questions. The next one was going to be the the next trip you're excited about, but you swung that in with using the last trip you had booked. So so that uh, snuck us through the travel questions, and we're going to finish out. I guess the last question for you is: we'll run through three quick fun facts that people wouldn't expect. This is getting to know our moderator. So what are three things about you that people wouldn't have a a clue or wouldn't guess?
1: Oh, lordy. Um, Well, I spent a night in jail. I don't think many people would really believe that I would have spent a night in jail, but there is a story behind that. And it it wasn't because I was a convict or a criminal. Uh, It was because I was hitchhiking in New Zealand in the middle of winter and nobody was picking me up. So at the end of the day, the police car drove by and said, get in. I got in, he said, here, you can stay in the jail overnight because no one's picking you up today. <laughs> so, that was,
0: so you spent a night in jail having not been arrested, but as yep. as a free place to stay.
1: I have a free place to stay. And not only that, he was so kind. He got his wife to cook me a meal and he brought me the meal to the jail and I had a really nice hot meal. So that was cool. Uh, so that's one fun fact. Uh, there's, I guess the second fun fact is that I... I rode on the top of an Indian train because I had mistakenly missed my stop on an intercity train and it was about a thousand miles to the next stop and it was holy mackerel how am I going to get back so as the train rolled through one of the local stations it goes through quite slowly I positioned myself at the open door and as it rolled through I threw myself off the train along with my backpack and then to get back into it was going to Varanasi to get back into Varanasi I had to travel on the local train which was packed and i ended up sitting on the top so that was fun
0: that's fun until you get to a low tunnel right did you have to duck any times on that trip
1: seriously we did when we came to bridges and tunnels we had to lie down and, and by the time i got off the top of that train i was completely black covered in soot but it was it was pretty awesome to do it was fun that was real fun and then i think the final what's the final one final one is that um Way back when, when I was uh, in high school, I completed what's called the Duke of Edinburgh's Gold Award, which is a little bit like a sort of an Eagle Scout type thing. But not very many people actually do persevere and get the gold because there's a lot of work to get it. And if you do get awarded the gold, you go to Buckingham Palace for a reception with Prince Philip. So this was way back in 1977, a long time ago, probably a long time before any of our listeners were born. But I got to spend the afternoon with Prince Philip at um, Buckingham Palace and had tea with him and saw the queen walking her corgis around the the gardens and got to go around the palace and look at the different rooms. And he's an absolute riot, that guy. He is so funny in real life. Uh, So I spent uh, the afternoon at Buckingham Palace hobnobbing with Prince Philip.
0: So we listeners don't know this, but we sometimes joke around that you're the British royalty in our moderators group. Um, and that tells me that maybe you're a little bit closer than we think to actually being that.
1: Well, I also do officially have the title of Lady, and so can you for $11. But there you go. You can buy the title of Lady on Groupon for $11. And somebody gave that to me as a Christmas gift, and so I am Lady Julie Patchley Breeze of Dunham's Castle. There you go.
0: As you should be.
1: I think we be, but there you go.
0: So while we finish out here, let's give the listeners how they can find you, if you want to to list how they can find you professionally, if they need your services, how they can find you on social media, where wherever they can find you, that you'd like to tell them, and we'll link up to all of it in the show notes.
1: Okay. Well, I keep myself. I fly under the radar. I am not one of these people that are sort of really out there. But you can find me on LinkedIn under my name, Julie Breeze. Um, obviously on Facebook under Julie Breeze. On Twitter, I rarely use Twitter, but when I'm on Twitter, I am I think I'm Mama Traveller on Twitter. Uh, I do not have an Instagram account and I will not have an Instagram account. I cannot do any more technology. My so brain doesn't accept technology. Uh, whatever, where else can you find me? Um, that's pretty much it, really. I'm, I'm not a big social media person. Uh, mostly you'll find me on Facebook.
0: All right. And if people want to find you, we all know that they can head over to. Award travel one hundred and one travel grumps one hundred and one and and find you keeping people in line over there with your uh, amazing love for the groups and your sense of uh, sense of humor and your wit and we're we're very lucky to have you thank you and with that we'll we'll close up for today Julie thank you so much for taking the time to record with me and I hope our listeners have enjoyed meeting the the first of our moderators in this new meet the mods segment thanks so much for being here Julie you're welcome. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Julie Breeze, one of our amazing moderators in Award Travel 101 and Travel Grumps 101. We're doing these meet the mod segments so that you can get to know those people who are helping to keep our Facebook groups on track and keep things friendly and happy and make it a great place for people to learn about miles and points and travel using credit card rewards and loyalty programs. If you enjoyed what you heard, Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any of the episodes coming down the line, including conversations with the rest of our moderators over the next several months. Be sure to tell your friends and family about our show, too, so that they can join our Facebook group, listen to the podcast, and get out there and see more of the world for less. Also, if you haven't done it yet, please stop by and leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast listening service. That helps other people find our show and get the great information that we're putting out there. And that about does it for today. I hope all of you out there traveling the world have safe and happy travels, and we'll see you next week on the Award Travel 101 podcast.